Hey you, welcome back to Black Fashion History, you know, the only podcast right now that's teaching you about the contributions of black people worldwide to the fashion industry, and I am your host, Taniqua Russ. Before we hop into today's episode, I have some interesting and exciting fashion news that I want to share I don't know if you all have heard about it yet, but the Council of Fashion Designers of America has appointed a new president. Her name is Cassandra Diggs, and she is the first black woman to lead the organization. Now, if you don't know, CFDA is like the who's who of fashion. Like It's the organization that dang near every American fashion designer is a part of. They do the CFDA awards. Um, They do the Vogue Fashion Fund or they're a part they partner with the Vogue Fashion Fund to support designers. It's a trade organization that has historically been run by white men. So some past presidents were Perry Ellis, Oscar de la Renta, um, Tom Ford used to be a chairman. So you get kind of the idea of what the leadership looked like. So to have Cassandra Diggs as the president is an amazing feat and I'm interested to see what things come about from the organization as a result of her leadership. So congratulations to a black woman in fashion leadership. Kudos to inclusivity and diversity in the industry. Looking forward to seeing more people of color, black people specifically, creating seats at the tables, creating their own tables. And I'm just excited. This is just one way that Black Women Influence Luxury, which is what today's episode is all about. So you want to start a podcast, right? I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it. But don't worry about any of that. I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, to get started today. Now, let's get back into our content. So, if you follow me on Instagram, and by me, I mean like as a host, not the podcast page, but my personal page, Taniqua Russ, you'll know that I did a whole dissertation in my Instagram stories last week about black women and luxury fashion, specifically black women and Birkin bags. A lot of people that watch my story really enjoyed what I was talking about. And if you missed it or you don't follow me, go to Instagram right now. The great thing about podcasts is that they can play while you use other apps. So head over to Instagram, type in Taniqua Russ, and follow me and then if you check out my highlights you'll see a highlight that says black women in luxury and that'll give you the rundown of everything that I talked about but people who had an opportunity to see my stories last week they really enjoyed 
my breakdown of black women and our connection to luxury fashion and so I really want to continue that conversation on the podcast this week because I think it's an important point to discuss especially when we think about how the fashion industry uses black women so this is where the whole idea stemmed from I was on Instagram one day last week and I saw this tweet and it said Birkin bags are supposed to be rare and expensive I just know Hermes is mad that it's become a black rapper baby mom accessory when I saw that tweet I was so hot like I was disgusted I was upset and I was annoyed because it perpetuates this idea that black women and luxury cannot coexist that somehow when we get into luxury items we've devalued it or um, we've tainted it and it completely disregards the fact that fashion has used the style and bodies of black women repeatedly as inspiration they've stolen from black women and also use the influence and style of black women to sell luxury to the masses things that were not hot before became hot because black women used and wear them so I don't understand where this idea comes from like if anything if Hermes has sense they would be over the moon ecstatic that all of these black women influencers and quote-unquote baby moms are on the gram showing off their Birkin because now it's made Birkin and a thing to aspire to and that's really the backbone of luxury fashion is selling this fantasy lifestyle that people can aspire to and buy into or become a part of once they acquire that level of wealth And with that being said, let's get into the history of black women in luxury fashion. Now, y'all will need to bear with me because I was trying to fit hundreds of years of information into 15 to 30 minutes. So um, I just picked pieces from here and there, but I want you to get the general idea that since the beginning of time essentially luxury fashion has been inspired and closely connected to black women and I'm going to talk about a few of the ways that we've made luxury hot and so the conversation should never be why are black women in these high fashion brands and uh these brands are so sick of it and they must be disappointed and it should always be how can we get more black women in our brands because they sell it in ways that we cannot and could not be done otherwise we're going to start in the 1920s and the most notable black icon from the 1920s is the beautiful and sensual josephine baker Josephine Baker was known for her style and her affinity for luxury, especially her unique costumes. One of her most famous looks was the upturned banana skirt. I know you all have probably seen a variation of this. Beyonce's done a variation of this in some of her performances. 
a lot of people have been influenced by that look. So Josephine Baker debuted that costume in Paris in 1926. And then like immediately thereafter, thousands of dolls with banana skirts were sold across Europe. On top of that, Josephine Baker has always been known for her slick, gelled, um, finger wave kind of look. And of course, during the 1920s and during the peak of her career, people would go out and buy hair pomade like she used to sell this pomade called Baker Fix to make their hair look like her they also bought something that she sold which is called Baker Skin and it was a skin darkening lotion to emulate her look which is an interesting twist on history because as we know skin lightening creams has been something that has been consistently pushed in communities of color and so I was kind of surprised to find out that Back in the day, Josephine Baker sold skin darkening lotion because people were trying to look like her. Now, fast forward to today, and if you look at celebrities or luxury brands and their shows, they're constantly inspired by Josephine Baker's look, specifically Prada Spring 2011 show. The looks of the models were inspired by Josephine Baker. They all had that gelled finger wave kind of look. There was a banana motif that ran throughout the show, which was clearly inspired by the amazing performer, Josephine Baker. Even Marc Jacobs' Fall 2016 show was also inspired by her. Again, the models emulating that same look. So that's just one example of how luxury fashion used a black woman as its muse and continues to do so today like if you ask any designer any performer they will tell you that Josephine Baker is a huge style inspiration fast forwarding a couple years into the 1960s you have model Danielle Luna who was the first black woman to be on the cover of Vogue magazine and in 1966 for her cover shoot of Tween magazine, she wore acrylic nails. Now, acrylic nails hit the U.S. in the 1950s, but they really didn't start popping until Danielle Luna was on the cover of Tween magazine in 66 wearing acrylic nails. And then acrylic nails became associated with black women all from the 60s all the way up until now honestly like think about the 90s where you have people like Coco from SWV with the super long actually her nails weren't even acrylic those are her real nails but people would emulate that style with acrylic nails um Think about the kind of jewelry designs and the bling and all kinds of creativity that black women put on their nails. You know, black women are the one who started to do the logo nails. We started putting Gucci and Louis and Chanel and all of those designs on our nails. You know, fast forward to Gucci 2017, their pre-fall campaign, which was clearly inspired by black style specifically um 70s 80s black style you have models in the campaign with acrylic nails if you take a look at campaigns from luxury brands like chanel dior gucci um 
Armani, all of those things from back in the days, maybe the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. The nails that were in those campaigns were not long acrylic nails. They're normally short, manicured, French manicured, or short, square cut with a polish. We are the ones who expanded our creativity with the style and looks of our acrylic nails. Our celebrities wore that. Our girls from around the way in the hood wore that. And that stuff began to trickle into mainstream fashion, luxury fashion specifically. And now you'll be hard pressed to find a luxury campaign that doesn't have a girl in there with long acrylic nails and the nails apart of the fashion before nails were like an afterthought or not an afterthought but like a basic compliment you know you put on a purple polish or you put on a teal color polish to go with the mood of the campaign and that's it but now like nails are being designed they're being sketched they have their own creative direction as part of the campaign people are using logos on there they're matching the style of the nail to you know whatever prints are on the fabrics that's a part of the campaign that was not happening before until we made nails poppin now right before the 60s in 1958 we have the establishment of ebony fashion fair ebony fashion fair was the world's largest traveling fashion show created by eunice johnson who was the wife of john johnson and also the co-founder of johnson publishing company which is ebony and jet eunice johnson was a fabulous 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 woman when it came to fashion and she had a penchant for luxury and style so when she established ebony fashion fair it started off at black colleges and um, it kind of traveled the country and the world from there and they would showcase a lot of designers of color like b smith stephen burroughs patrick kelly willie smith all of the wonderful people that we've talked about here on the show and the show would also showcase a host of haute couture designers. I'm talking Yves Saint Laurent, Christian Lacroix, Valentino Givenchy, Oscar de la Renta, Christian Dior, etc., etc. Now this is a show of black models to black audiences by a black media group wearing clothing by haute couture designers. That in itself was revolutionary, especially in the 50s and 60s, where we all know where the climate of this country was. On top of that, Eunice Johnson was known as one of the top purchasers of couture in the country. So she would purchase these gowns and outfits herself to display at the shows and of course in the beginning when they started Ebony Fashion Fair these couture houses was not trying to lend them clothes or trying to sell them clothes to be in their little black fashion show but as the reputation of the show grew and as her personal reputation and style or reputation of her style grew among the industry you know she was able to gain access into places that she didn't have before and became one of the top purchasers of couture not just that designers would show her unique things and bold vibrant pieces 
for Ebony Fashion Fair for the black audiences and for the black models in the show that they knew they could not show to other audiences. Like they knew that some of their most creative work, things with sequence and feathers and all of this, just personality and pizzazz, could not walk some of these Paris runways because those audiences were used to seeing things a certain way and things fashion that fit in a certain box. Ebony Fashion Fair was not like that. Black audiences was not like that. Eunice Johnson was not like that. She was fabulous, as I said before. And you know, as black people, when it comes to fashion, we're typically over the top. So things that didn't have a home among the typical fashion audience in the industry had a home among us, which grew the notoriety and popularity of these brands in our community and of some of these styles because of the way we would rock them. And now today, the Ebony Fashion Fair archives have some of the most exclusive and rare and amazing pieces from designers like Oscar de la Renta that you have not seen before because of its history. Again, another example of how black women are the muses for luxury and how we make things pop. I think the biggest illustrator of that honestly is the 90s, early 2000s hip hop era. That's when black women stylists and artists really changed the game when it came to luxury fashion because before then, hip hop and luxury slash quote unquote high fashion did not have a relationship. Look at Lil' Kim, when I think about her, I know I automatically think poster girl for all things luxury you know there's this iconic photo of Kim where she's completely nude but she has like Louis Vuitton logo painted all over her body and it was in the cover of interview magazine in 1999 now that look wasn't commissioned by the brand but it's really what introduced hip-hop and luxury or a partnership between hip hop and luxury fashion because it then started to put a light on girls like Little Kim and Foxy Brown and even all of these female rappers and R&B artists in that hip hop space as people who could really sell these luxury brands to a different audience and an audience with a style that was more expressive and wasn't your typical um, Devil Wears Prada kind of fashion. Take a look at Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown is a beautiful dark brown Trinidadian girl from Brooklyn and she was also John Galliano's muse. He said it himself. He used her style and her personality as inspiration for many of the Dior lines that came out in the early 2000s, specifically the spring summer 2000 collection when he was head designer at Dior. And it made Dior and luxury in general appealing to a new generation of people. Dior was no longer seen as your grandmama's luxury or your mom's luxury clothing or, you know, this old lady white diamonds look. It made it popping, it made it fresh, it made it hip hop, it made it stylish to a younger audience, and it made people go, mm, I want to wear Dior. 
if you look back in the 70s and 80s when Dapper Dan was doing um, a lot of the monogram slash logo mania looks, you know, there was a lot of MCM, there was Gucci, there was Louis Vuitton, but you didn't have brands like Dior or Oscar de la Renta, you know, because they didn't have those kind of logos that you can monogram and then their imagery of their brand wasn't something that was attractive to a younger audience or the audience that hip-hop attracted. Now you have female rappers like Foxy Brown and Little Kim wearing Dior belts or wearing Oscar de la Renta hanging out with Marc Jacobs sitting in the front rows at New York Fashion Week talking to Donatella Versace or you have them in Calvin Klein campaigns. I mean Foxy was in a Calvin Klein campaign in 99 like now you have these brands that start to look you know more interesting to the younger generation people that follow them now they want to wear Dior now Dior is something to aspire to now Calvin Klein is something to aspire to where before it was just you know whatever it was prep boy clothing or now Tommy Hilfiger is something to aspire to we all know Aaliyah's iconic look with the baggy Tommy jeans and the color blocked Tommy tube top you know now Tommy Hilfiger is something to aspire to now we want to wear that because of the way that they wore that and those styles were not originally appealing to this generation of people and that goes beyond black people but that was people in general because you know that hip-hop the biggest audience was suburban white kids stylist Misa Hilton who was behind a lot of these looks who orchestrated the looks from the early 90s and 2000s and hip-hop has a collaboration line with MCM and so now you know what that brand is and now everybody wants an MCM backpack and all those other looks June Ambrose, who's another notable stylist, mostly known for Missy's I Can't Stand the Rain video, the More Money, More Problems video, and of course being Jay-Z stylist, is another reason that um, kind of luxury and hip-hop was able to build a bridge and connection and really start to sell some of these brands as being not just rich or costing a lot of money, but cool. She took all of your favorite rappers out of their jeans and t-shirts and sneakers down the red carpet and put them in suits and made it popular for men to wear luxury and have style outside of tees, like to actually have a style. Fast forward today, you'll be hard pressed to find a carpet that doesn't have a man on there, black or white, that doesn't have a sense of style whether it's a suit or slacks and a sweater a hat a dress whatever but men were forced to show up on these red carpets like women had been which was wearing designer and showing off a different sense of style all because June Ambrose decided to put Jay-Z and Tom Ford again today black women are still setting the trends for luxury and dictating which brands are worth splurging on and which brands are stylish which brands are the it brands which brands are the ones that you need to be seen in and which brands regular people like you and me aspire to have
think about the influencers that you follow. I know two of my favorite influencers that do luxury fashion so well are Hilo Lux and Monroe Steel. Think about the ones that you follow. Um, not just fashion influencers, but influencers like Jada Weta or Jada Chavez. She's, I'm not sure how to say her name. You know, Ming Lee, Karen Civil, Ari Fletcher, all of those people and the brands that they wear and then how that suddenly becomes top of mind for brands that you want. Think about the City Girls, Cardi B, Flo Millie, Asian Doll, uh, Cash Doll, Dream Doll, Meg Thee Stallion, Nicki Minaj, whatever rapper and the brands that they talk about and how that's top of mind, not just for us, but for mainstream America as brands that you now want. Nikki says Fendi prints on. She has a collaboration collection with Fendi. Guess what? It sold out. Y'all, Fendi is an old Italian brand. It began in 1925. You know, there's no way it could have revamped its images over the years if not for the influence of black women and how we sell them in songs, we sell them in our styles. Look at our forever floatist, Michelle Obama, and when she wore those gold Balenciaga boots during her book tour. Did the world not go crazy for those $4,000 boots? That is a black woman in luxury. And that isn't the only time Michelle Obama wore luxury. She consistently wore luxury designers throughout her course as first lady and even now thereafter. But every single time the world goes crazy for what she wears and how she wears it. Again, the influence of a black woman. Now I share all those little tidbits of history just to remind you all that luxury fashion wouldn't be where it is today if not for the style and influence of black women. Whether that's us talking about it, us wearing it, or them taking from the way that we wear other things and the unique styles that we have created in our communities. It's still us. We're the magic. We're the magic behind luxury fashion. We have consistently been trendsetters. And that's it, guys. Thank you again for tuning into another episode of Black Fashion History. I so love sharing all of this research and tidbits of information with you. Make sure to check out our website, blackfashionhistory.com, to see all of the sources and information and even some pictures from this episode also follow us on the gram at black fashion history podcast to stay up to date with all of the amazing things that we do if you're listening to this podcast on apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a review if you loved it and rate us five stars we really appreciate it share this podcast episode with your friends and family if it was helpful and informative but above all else if you do nothing else i want you to join me again next week for another black fashion history installment bye-bye
And that's it guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Black Fashion History. If you love the show, I want you to click on your phone, head over to Instagram and follow us at Black Fashion History Podcast. You can also check us out at our website that we just got blackfashionhistory.com there you'll find show notes uh, resources all of that jazz to help you stay up on your black fashion history game please make sure to check out our sponsor for the episode of course you support them they support us we continue to make more great content and of course share this episode with a friend and join us again next week for another installment of black fashion history bye bye